0: As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, we remember that he is our hope and our peace. The prophet Isaiah writes, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus assures us, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. Let us pray. Gracious God, grant that we may find peace as we prepare for our Lord's birth. May divisions in ourselves and in our families be peacefully resolved. May there be peace in our cities and in the countries around the world. Help us to see the paths of peace in our own lives and give us the discernment and courage to follow them. Lord, let us remember that you alone are the giver of lasting peace and that you are always with us. Amen.
1: My mother-in-law worked for American Airlines for 35 years. When you work for American Airlines for 35 years, not only do you get lifetime flight privileges, but your whole family gets lifetime flight privileges. Um, I did not get to enjoy these flight privileges until I actually married her daughter, which meant honeymoon. First time in my life, I'm rolling with the big dogs. Now, Nick and I when we got married, we were babies. We didn't have two pennies to rub together. The only way we were ever going to be able to think about a honeymoon in lovely Cancun, Mexico, Señor Frogs, just exactly the way she always dreamed. Um was to be able to use these flight privileges. So if you guys aren't aware of how this works, you fly standby, essentially. Um, if you uh, walk up to the flight and there are a couple of extra seats that nobody's using, you just get to walk onto the flight sit in those fleet seats and go wherever you wanna go. As we're flying down to Cancun, we roll in. I get asked one of the most ridiculous questions in the English language, which sometimes happens when you're flying standby. Um, We have two seats in coach or two seats in first class. Which do you prefer? (laughs) So I'm just married. I'm sitting in first class. They're offering free champagne. My beautiful blushing bride is next to me. I was king of the world. And then we had to come back at the end and it it went a little differently. We we showed up to the Cancun airport early, early in the morning Uh, Couldn't get on that first flight back to Miami because it was full. Second flight was also full, but the gate agent says, no worries. There's a flight in a few minutes that heads to Atlanta. Tons of flights between Atlanta and Nashville. We'll just get you up to Atlanta. They'll take care of it from there. Sounds like a good plan to me. Nashville to Atlanta, gate agent. So sorry, nothing I can do about it. The next three Nashville flights are all booked, but... It's a flight to Dallas. And like 45 minutes after that flight, there's a flight to Nashville. It's wide open. We get to Dallas. I'm so sorry. Nothing I can do about it. We can't get you to Nashville, Chicago. That's where you need to be. We go to Chicago. Chicago. You can probably tell where I'm going. Uh, Chicago, this poor gate agent, she can see with each passing airport, we're becoming more and more despondent. She says, Mr. Hannah, I am so sorry. There's nothing I can do, but I've got good news. There are two more flights between Dallas and Nashville tonight. If we can get you back to Dallas, one of those flights, I promise you, you're going to get on. Dallas, for the second time that day, (laughs) 10.30 flight is full, 11.45 flight, it's our last chance, there are two seats. About five minutes before the flight's to take off, the gate agent calls us over and I can see the look in her eye, and I know exactly what's coming. Mr. Hannah, I'm so sorry. It's two priority passengers, they just walked up, there's nothing I can do. I think we can get you out of one of the flights in the morning at those words my lovely brushing bride just dropped she was done 16 hours five different airports there was no longer hope we could not go to a hotel we couldn't afford a hotel we couldn't have afforded a cab to get to a hotel if we could afford a hotel At the end of this honeymoon, at the end of all of this travel, the best they could offer us was laying on the floor of the Dallas airport, hoping we could get out the next day. A couple of minutes later, as we're trying to figure out which seats would be the most comfortable in the concourse, the gate agent calls us back over. She says, Mr. Hannah, you see that older couple that's walking away? They saw your wife crying. And they asked me what was wrong. And after I explained the situation to them, they said, I got nowhere to be. I can spend another night in Dallas. Let them have our seats. 25 years I've known Nicole Hannah, I do not think I have ever seen her more relieved and more grateful than I saw at that moment. That time that she was absolutely at the end of her rope, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, Suddenly, someone came in and brought hope where there was no hope. We, We have all been in that place where suddenly... You're broken, you're despondent, you're in a place much more difficult than the Dallas airport, and out of nowhere, someone brings hope. This morning, Revelation chapter 5, we get to look at that moment in time where there is suddenly hope for all humanity. That moment in time where there is suddenly hope for all eternity. Last week, we were in the fourth chapter of Revelation. John has been invited into the throne room. It's it's a, a scene of majesty and glory and chaos and he is clawing and scratching for words and word pictures that could describe what he saw as as he comes into the throne room his eyes are immediately drawn to the throne in the center of the room to the one that's on the throne a brilliant light reflecting all the entire spectrum of colors Four beasts representing all of creation are in the room. 24 elders on their thrones, surrounding the throne in the center, representing all of God's people. And there they are, worshiping. Worshiping the one on the throne. You see, Revelation is a book of worship. Written by a man in exile while he was worshiping to churches who needed worship about the one they should worship. And and the fourth chapter of Revelation is all about worship of God as creator. They sing, oh Lord, oh God, you are worthy to receive power, glory, and honor because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. It's in that moment that we arrive at the fifth chapter of Revelation. Now, I am going to read all 14 verses. If you are able, please stand while we read God's Word. Then I saw... In the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look at it. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You were worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language. And people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked around and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and also the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless thousands, plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power, be be to the one seated on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. God, we are grateful, we are humbled, we are amazed by your presence with us this morning. We ask that you illuminate your word. Speak now, for your servants are listening. Amen. Y'all can be seated. We find ourselves in the throne room of heaven. John is amongst all of creation, all of God's people. Worship is happening. Guys, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Revelation is a a, a book with words of prophecy. Revelation tells us of the second coming. But primarily, Revelation is about what's happening right now. This worship that we read about, it is happening right now as we speak in the throne room of heaven. John is there. He's witnessing this worship of God as creator. And then comes an angel with a booming voice. Who can open the scroll? Bro, read the room. We're, we're having a moment here. We're, we're doing this thing. We're in worship, and then this angel with this booming voice just kind of cuts through everything, and suddenly, John's focused. John's focus is changed. He sees this scroll with the seven seals written on the front and the back. What is this scroll that John is describing? It is the scroll of destiny, which. I know sounds like something out of an Indiana Jones movie. The scroll of destiny, words written on both sides, sealed with seven seals never to be opened. That scroll contains all the words God has spoken. All of the words that God will speak. Everything he said, everything that he will say. The history of mankind, the future of mankind, God's plan, God's will, the very plan of salvation. How everything that is broken will be fixed. How everything that is fallen will be redeemed. When that scroll is opened, words become reality. You see, God's words, they are actions. They're not like us, where there's this massive disconnect between what we say and what we do. Our intentions and desires and our actual actions. When God speaks, things happen. God spoke creation into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. This scroll containing all of God's will, all of God's plan, written on the front, written on the back, so that nothing can be added. When those seals are broken, when the scroll is unrolled, God's will comes to fruition. The problem, as the angel speaks, who is worthy to open the scroll? No one steps up. No one in heaven, no one on earth, no one in hell is worthy. They can't even look at it. They can't even look at the words. They can't bear the weight Of God's will. You see, until that scroll is opened, history is put on pause. Until that scroll is opened, nothing happens. All of the pain, all of the injustice, Has no end and has no purpose unless someone can open the scroll. Revelation from chapter 6 on is all about the scroll being unrolled. It's all about God's plan and God's will. Until someone is worthy to break that seal, nothing moves forward. And there John was. All of mankind's hopes, all of our prayers, everything broken to be fixed, it's that close. It's right there, and no one can open it. No one is worthy. No one is whole. No one can bear that weight. And in verse 5, we see John's reaction. Verse 4, excuse me, we see John's reaction. It says that he cried and cried. Now this is one of those instances where modern translations can't even come close to doing justice to what the original language intends here. John isn't just crying. He is wailing. He is screaming. This is the primordial scream of all humanity. This is the cries of everything broken with no hope. The summer of 2015, Nick and I were woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning as her phone rang. It was one of those rings that you know you don't want to pick it up, but you have to. As she answered the phone, and she heard her mother's voice telling her that her father was gone. I heard this scream. The scream of hopelessness. The scream of a brokenness that can't be fixed. The wailing of a parent who answers the door to the police officer in the middle of the night. The family member that hears the doctor say, there's nothing else we can do. The husband that comes home to the empty house to read the dear John letter. John sees that no one can open the scroll and he is broken for all of humanity and he wails and he screams and it's in that moment that one of the elders stops him and says, don't cry. Don't you hate that? You're in that place Broken, desperate, not, not crying pretty tears, that, that ugly cry with snot bubbles and mascara running down your face, and your friend comes over, oh, there, there, don't cry. I'm, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry because it's not okay. And it will never be okay again. Again. That thing that has happened can never unhappen. Maybe it gets easier, but it's never going to be right. I'm going to cry. In all of Revelation chapter 5, there are only two commands. This is the first one don 't cry, the second one follows immediately. look you see this elder he he's not he 's not the person saying saying don't cry because i 'm super uncomfortable right now and and I just need you to stop he's not he 's not the guy that says don't cry because I'm supposed to say something and I don't really know what to say and if you would just stop crying, it would signal to me that everything is okay. He doesn't say don't cry without giving an alternative action, without giving a next step. Don't cry. Look. The Lion of Judah who has conquered death itself. He is here And he is worthy. Don't cry. The lion, our champion. The root of David, the one that fulfills all of the prophecy. He is here and he is worthy. You see, the lion of Judah is Jesus Christ as the eternal king. The elder tells John, Don't cry. There is one who is worthy. Our culture today often tells us that that Jesus is one of many. Jesus is an option, He's a good option. There are other options. John says I've been there. I was in that room. I saw it. There's one who is worthy. John was writing this letter to seven churches in Asia Minor who who were in a place of great persecution under the roman government these churches have been told yes there's a throne and yes there's one who sits on it and his name is caesar and caesar is the one who holds the key he's the one who can unlock the future john says i was there it ain't him We are told today, yeah, yeah, there is one. There is this man or there is that woman. There is this political figure or that candidate. There is this party or that party. There is this preacher or there is that leader. Follow them. They know the way. John says, I was there. It ain't them. There is one who is worthy. The lion of Judah. And he turns and he looks to see the lion. And what does he see? I saw one like a slaughtered lamb. He looks for the lion and he sees the lamb. You, you can't make this stuff up. If, if we today were to come together and design a great king, design a great conqueror, what would that look like? You know, modern man often uses animals to project images of power. In fact, the, the entire country of England, they do elevate the lion. In Russia, it's, it's the mighty bear. Here in America, we have the soaring eagle, all powerful, all ravenous. Only the kingdom of heaven would dare elevate a lamb as the symbol of might. And not just the lamb, the one that was slaughtered. I want you to think about this for a moment. See, we we often have the picture in our head of, of Jesus as the sacrificial lamb, and he was that. He did willingly give up his life, sacrifice himself, To pay the price for our sins. That is not this picture. You see a sacrifice on an altar. There were so many meticulous rules. As to how you would do that. And it was clean. This is the lamb that was slaughtered. Brutalized by his enemies you see it's in the lion of judah that we find the eternal king it's in the slaughtered lamb that we find the eternal savior Absolute power and endless grace personified in the person and divinity of Jesus Christ. The one that is worthy to bear the weight of God's will. The one that is worthy to break the seal on the plan of salvation. And and as this is taking place in the throne room of heaven, as John always writes... Revelation and response. Revelation and response. We see the revelation of the slaughtered lamb taking the scroll and the response of all of creation and all of God's people immediately provoking an outburst of worship and of praise. We see in verse 9 that, that as the lamb takes the scroll, they sing a new song. See, in chapter 4, they see they sing the old song of praising God as Creator. Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Hear me say this this morning. Creation exists because God willed it. You are here uniquely intentionally designed because god wanted it that way chapter four worship and praise of god as creator chapter five it's the new song the worship and praise of the lamb as redeemer the work of redemption through the blood of the lamb you are worthy to take the scroll you were worthy to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on earth. Every tribe, every tongue, Every people and every nation brought together as one, purchased by the blood of the slaughtered lamb. There are those of us here this morning, broken, desperate. Crying out, wailing, screaming with no hope. Hear the elder say, stop, look. Behold the Lion of Judah. Behold the Lamb who was slain. The one that is worthy. Guys, this is not something that will happen. This is something that has happened. And when you know it, when you see it, the only possible response is to worship the one that is worthy. Would you pray with me? Lord, I long to be a part someday of the worship that is happening in your throne room right now. And I am grateful for the lamb that was slain so that I may be. In this season, every nativity scene that we see Every image of the Christ child. Remind us of the Lion of Judah, the eternal king, of the lamb that was slain, the eternal Savior, the one who was worthy. Amen.